the green ember works for Christian families, particularly because the kids just love it as a story, and they're just like this oh, bow. This guy made this awesome shot with a bow, and he, you know, they killed the bad guy here, and they won this, or they fought, and and it's just adventure. And then the parents, I think, are resonating deeply with this sort of epic undertone that I think echoes reality with a capital R in a way that they're that they are longing for. Welcome to the Strategic Families Podcast, where we challenge your family to be rooted in God's Word, energized with gospel-centered purpose, and activated on mission for His kingdom. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Families Podcast. I hope everyone is doing great. So today we have two special guests, Sam and Josiah Smith. And if the name Sam Smith doesn't ring a bell, maybe S.D. Smith will. He is the author of the wildly popular Green Ember series of fantasy books for young readers. And these are the rabbits with swords, if you know what I mean. My kids love these books, so this is really a treat to get to know the author behind such a successful endeavor. Putting your kids in front of these books, I would say, is a strategic thing to do. And what's cool in this interview is that we also have a son, Josiah, with us as well, an impressive young man. How cool is it that he gets to be published while still in high school? Chip off the old block, it looks to me. So in this interview, we talk about their books, and we get to hear Sam's philosophy on storytelling. We also get to hear about how the Smith family home operates, which sounds amazing and so honoring to the Lord. Sam's just got so many nuggets of wisdom to share in this interview, the kind of nuggets that come only from being a disciple of Christ. All right, so friendly reminder, wherever you get podcasts, it would be fantastic if you could hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. And if this podcast has been a blessing for your family and you want to help support us, check out our show notes for a link to our Patreon page. All right, on to the show. Well, Sam and Josiah Smith, welcome to the podcast. We are delighted to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome. So glad to have you guys on. What a treat this is. Thank you so much for reaching out, and I'm really looking forward to to our discussion. Okay, so before we get into some of the meat of what we're going to talk about today, can you guys just introduce yourself to our listeners, tell us who you are, what you do for a living, and of course, all about your family. Sure. I'm Sam Smith. My wife is Gina, and we have four kids. We live in Southern West Virginia. I have uh, two girls and two boys, and one of my boys is uh, this young man, Josiah Caleb. So I'm Josiah, I'm Sam's son, uh, and I also live in West Virginia uh, with my dad, who's a famous author, and I'm just currently trying to graduate high school. That's my number one goal at the moment. Perfect. That's a that's a great goal to have, and I'm sure you will pass with flying colors. Yeah, like I said, this is, this is really a treat. I love that you guys work together. We're going to get into all that in a little bit. So Sam, obviously many people will know you as S.D. Smith and recognize your name from the Green Ember series of books, and... You know, I got to say, like, I think I told you, my kids love these books. We've had, you know, kids acting out the characters and all kinds of stuff in our house. And your books just kind of went through our co-op and everybody's all excited about them, which is which is fantastic. So I would love for you to just share with us where the whole idea came from. I've read about this, but I'd love to hear it in your own words and to have you share it with our listeners. Sure. It, it, it's uh, it started not very far away from where we are right now. Uh, my, our oldest daughter, and she's 19 now, but when she was just a little bit, a little toddler and she had a little baby brother named Josiah, she uh, and I were on the porch and I just used to tell her stories a lot. I would tell her stories at bedtime and different, different times throughout the day. 
and uh, I, we had several little series going. We had one called Chance the Dog, and it was all about this this uh, the dog who fought for other little little animals who had little this little coalition, and he would kind of protect them. and And they went on these this long journey to a farm, and uh, I told her one about this the girl with golden wings, and and there was this whole story about what all with that. And and uh, but one day we were on the porch, and there were uh, rabbits hopping around in the yard. So I just started telling her a story about an older sister rabbit with a baby brother rabbit or a younger brother rabbit. And uh, that became the green ember over, over years. We just, she really loved the story. I liked it. So we just kind of kept telling it and kept telling mm -hmm. it. And uh, eventually Josiah came along and he joined us and, and uh, told the story to both of them uh, for, for many years. So I had kind of like a long time, a, a long rough draft and, and eventually mm -hmm. the kids were like, daddy, you got to tell this, you got to write this story down. So I, I, I wrote it down eventually just sort of, you know, without too much expectation, other than this would be a memorial to this time we had together, mm. and uh, we, you know, we d we decided to publish it. And, and uh, my my brother-in-law Andrew had been in publishing, and we talked about doing this for, you know, we talked about starting a little press, and he was like, "This is a great story. I want to do it." And so we, okay, let's try it. And we we tried it out, and 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 it seemed to really resonate with other families mm. pretty quickly, um, which is which is cool because it was just kind of like. I don't know, ex exporting a product uh, from, from home that was, uh, that, that we, that was working at home, but we had no expectation of what it would do elsewhere, but it, it's been fun. There's, it seems like there's a lot of other families like us who like yeah. these, these kinds of stories. Oh man, that's fantastic. That's kind of like your grandmother's got this great barbecue sauce recipe or something. And then you end up like, Hey, it turns out lots of people like this recipe. So that is exactly how I describe it. And it's exactly how it feels. I usually use the, like, uh, so it's, it's, it's like grandma's recipe and, yeah. and a lot of, it feels like we're having a lot of people over and a lot of people like, yeah, this is cool. And that's such a fun, because at the heart of it is hospitality and love. And to, to, for that to be extended in this sort of a, this kind of big way is, is, a, wow. is a blessing, a surprising. Wow. That's super cool. And I, I don't think I've read this, but what were you doing before you started your writing career. Well, um, when I wrote the Green Ember, I was working in kind of adult education. I was doing sort of like a GED testing, that that kind of thing, working with folks who were trying to get their GED and 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 get uh, and get back to work. It was sort of the goal. So uh, I was doing that. For, that was my last uh, real job before gotcha. I did, before I started pretending for a living. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I know it's been such a blessing to so many people, including our family. Okay, so I know the Green Ember series, you know, awesome storytelling. So many people love it. But I also know that it's not just about telling a good story. Can you talk about some of the themes that you're trying to work in there? Like, what are what are some of those, you know, deeper, more meaningful concepts that you're trying to communicate to young readers? Well, so it, it's funny because I, I don't have... I didn't ever set out to have sort of a mission of like, this is what I'm going to teach. This is what I'm going to smuggle in. This is what I, it, it, I was never intentional like that. Uh, I, we are a very intentional sort of family. We, we're very much like uh, we're going to do things on purpose. We're going to uh, try to try to be um, intent on, on following the Lord. This is the things we do have meaning um, as a storyteller. I, I think this is both of our philosophies, uh, Josiah and I, but, but it's, it's certainly been my philosophy that I just, I want to, I want to show up to that vocation faithfully, which I think means doing that thing the best way I can. Right. And I just say that to, to describe it as like, I don't know, a lot of people remember David Robinson or a, sort of a Christian basketball player like that. That Christian basketball player doesn't doesn't glorify God best by, you know, when he dunks the ball 
he doesn't you know turn around and say Jesus saves or kneel down. You know, the best thing he can do is sure. get back on defense, you know, and try to try to defend. Like that's the uh, most yeah, that's the most Christian thing he can mm-hmm. do. So as a Christian storyteller, like my, my, I feel like my, my, you know, same thing with like making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for your kids, you know, doing a cross in the, in the jelly. Like, is that, is that, does that make it more Christian or is it just like make a good sandwich, man? And I think it's like make a good sandwich and get back sure. on defense yeah. and, 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 uh, and tell a good story because God made the world mm, right. and uh, if God didn't make the world. And it was like, you know, that, that if the doctrine of creation wasn't true, you know, then, then, and, and then that would be different, but because God did make the world, like it's all his. So making a sandwich, right. is his. you know, getting back on defense is his, you, you know, farming is his plumbing is his storytelling is his. So I didn't ever feel a strong compulsion to be like, Oh, this has to be an allegory. This, I have to, tr- I have to, but yeah. Oh, so I'll say that's all like a big kind of caveat. I will say that because, you know, um, you, you know, you cannot, you write from the overflow of your heart. Absolutely. You, write, you yeah. don't write. I, I think it's it, Tolkien described it as sort of like the, the stories bubbling up from the leaf mold of the mind as in like, there's mm. all this stuff that grows in a forest and it kind of grows from this sort of leaf mold. You don't really, it's, 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 uh, it's hard to control that. And actually the more intentionally you try to like, I'm going to force this, this square peg get through this round hole of storytelling. Um, you, you kind of get, I think you often get a really clunky storytelling. I'm not saying that's bad. There's nothing wrong with that. It's useful, but I don't know that it is by itself the best storytelling. So I try to be a faithful storyteller. And looking back on it, I think that there's there are tremendous values that come through and people resonate with them really deeply. There's, there's this sort of, um, I think throughout the whole thing, and this is because it was true for me, there's a sort of longing for a true new world. There's this longing and there's this right. work for there's this living in light of a reality that's coming that happens all throughout the green ember. And I think that's true because that's like, that's who I am. That's where I live. And it's not an allegory. It's not a one-to-one there. You know, the, <clears throat> it's not going to, you're not going to find exactly the perfect Christ figure. You're going to find a lot of people who have, <laughs> I, I describe it as, as, as if you're, if you're a, if you're a non-Christian, you can read this story and not feel like, oh, this guy's trying to sneaky, sneakily preach at me. But you can, but if you're a Christian, when you read it, the bells are going to go off all the sure. time. Yep. It's going to be resounding. It's going to yeah. be, which I think is true of my favorite kinds of stories, uh, which is Tolkien and even C.S. Lewis, who people often accuse the, uh, I say accuse because I'm not a big fan of allegory all the time, but uh, they often say that the, the the Chronicles of Narnia are, are an allegory, but they're not. They're a supposal story. Suppose this, and that's how he described it. A suppose yeah. in this world. So it's a little bit different, but, yeah. but, but the fact is you're going to have a lot of meaningful, deep kind of connections if you're a Christian yeah. parent and you're, you're um, and what I've heard from people is just thousands and thousands of conversations that have been sparked because of, oh, what did you think about the way this person reacted? What did you think about how this person, when they did, and it's not all sure. good things, sometimes it's bad things, but sure. uh, there's, so there's, I would say that this, the, the green number works for Christian families, particularly because the kids just love it as a story. And they're just like this oh, bow, this guy made this awesome shot with a bow and he, you know, they killed the bad guy here and they won this or they fought and, and it's just adventure. And then the parents I think are resonating deeply with this sort of epic undertone that, that, that um, I think echoes reality with a capital R in a way that they're, that they are longing for. So mm. I think it, it kind of works in that sense. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. Yeah. It, it's so funny that you say about, about, um, 
Tolkien, I was reading the introduction of, it was either The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. I think it was The Hobbit, but it was an introduction. And it was a little jarring because he actually addressed this topic about allegory. And he goes, I'm not really, he's like, I'm not a fan of allegory. I just, what I am a fan of is good storytelling. And I was like, really? So this is like very consciously not an allegory. Yeah. But your point is so well taken. It's like, it doesn't have to be. Good storytelling can be an awesome ministry in itself. And it can be a huge blessing. And and good storytelling, I would say, can be an end in itself. We can enjoy an amazing story just because it's a great story, just sort of like a beautiful piece of music, you know. And uh, but I love that you've also built in all these things out of the overflow of your heart. I mean, that's just that's uh, that's fantastic. Okay, so you mentioned how you know just how beneficial this can be for families, which is so true. I wanted to address you know Sarah McKenzie mentioned your books on on the last podcast, and you know she's all about reading aloud to your kids, which I am like totally convinced of how beautiful a thing that is and just how beneficial it is. Did you write these books sort of thinking like, yeah, they would be read aloud to kids or, you know, that kids would just go up to their room and read them or both? And I don't know, maybe talk about that. What have you heard from families who who have read them aloud? Well, it's funny, Sarah, she, you know, when I first met Sarah, she said, well, well I think she was interviewing me the first time we talked and she said, uh, well, it's obvious you, you wrote this as a read aloud, like it works so well. <laughs> Oh, really? I have no idea about that. Like no yeah. plan. It does work that way. And it's been incredible. That's been the experience of a lot of the audience has been, oh yeah, yeah. We, we read this aloud and, and she's definitely been a big spearhead for that for sure. And I love, I love, I'm like, I'm a big fan of what she's doing and, and uh, that's been, had a big impact in our family, but no, I didn't write it as a, as a read aloud. I mean, it was told aloud, you know, so that's maybe that's where the, re- the resonance comes and I think that maybe that's naturally how I write is, is, is a way that, that but I didn't, that, again, that wasn't intentional. There's, there's a lot of benefits that have come from uh, not necessarily my, uh, my brilliant uh, calculation, but uh, the Lord just, uh, you know, showing up and, and, uh, and, and making something happen. And it's funny talking, going back to what you said about Tolkien, Tolkien, you know, Tolkien describes his, and I think this is a really, this could be really helpful. That quote, which I think is in on fairy stories, if I'm not mistaken, but he says, uh, he says that I cordially dislike allegory and, always, but, you know, <laughs> cordially. ever since I was old enough to sort of detect it, he says, he says what, yeah. what people often confuse is allegory and application. He said in one uh, lies yeah. in the purposeful domination of the reader by the author and the other lies in the freedom of the, of, of the reader. Oh, and the, the application is so powerful. So I think that's what we're experiencing yeah. a lot with some of the best books is there's all this application that's so, I mean, you just read about Aragorn and you're just like, oh, the applications are just massive, but, right. the, but it's not an allegory. And it's, so it's not a, it's not an attempt, but, but it does have this sort of resonance with reality. Yes. Um, so so powerful. And he said, "I much prefer history, whether real or feigned." And I, that's yes. how it was like a, a sort of a feigned history. Is <laughs> that's what he did masterfully. And I, uh, but but it's about the application, what the readers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think I think that the best stories, like you said, you use this word um, resonate, which is such a great word. Um, but they also, I'd say, the best stories really reflect the world in which we live and they reflect the human condition and that's why they resonate they 
you know, we can sort of see ourselves in characters and we can sense the feelings that different characters would have if they were placed in different positions. And anyway, they're true. That's that's what you're describing is a true story. So that's what Tolkien said, too. He said the Lord of the Rings is a true story, not that it actually happened, but that it reflects reality. Yes, that's exactly what you're saying like that. And I want to write true stories and, and it, not that they happen, but that they are honest. Yeah. And especially when you're talking about kids, to me, that's like so important that you're honest. Like there there can be stories that are history books that are untrue, not truthful because of the way they're framed. Sure. Yeah. You can, and you can tell a made up story about a lizard going to get lemonade and it can be faithful to reality <laughs> if, you're, if you're honest, you know, and, and, yeah. and uh, uh, that's so Tolkien is such a great, um, he's such a great instructor. Yeah. All right. So Josiah, I think that's your next book, A Lizard Who Goes to Get Lemonade. Absolutely. <laughs> so Josiah, let's bring you into this. I love that you guys work together. And uh, man, Josiah, pretty young to be published. That's so fantastic. So talk to us about this new book that you guys have come out with and where it came from. Where did you get the idea for Jack Zulu? Jack Zulu and the Waylander's Key is, it's, uh, I think readers of The Green Number will still enjoy it because uh, it, it's it's got the same voice and the same I think heart as the green ember does, but it's, it's an entirely different world. It's kind of, it's more based in, in uh, our reality and sort of like a rural Americana take on like a, a fantasy story, uh, maybe in the tradition of, of Tolkien or Lewis. Mm -hmm. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? Uh, somewhere in my brain. I don't know how, uh, <laughs> uh, but a few years back, I was 13. I started uh, dreaming up this, this world as a TV series. And so I kind of sketched out a plan for seasons and episodes and things like that. And I would talk with dad about it. And, and eventually he kind of came to me and pitched like, what if we co-wrote this as a novel, you know, that might be a better shot at, at going to the screen. So that's, that's kind of where we're at right now is, is on the other side of that idea. Excellent. That's really cool. Okay. So tell us about Jack Zulu. Who is he and who are some of the characters that he runs into? Give us maybe a, a quick overview with, with no spoilers, but just of the plot. Yeah. Okay. So Jack is a, uh, he is a 12 year old boy uh, living in a rural West Virginia town. Uh, and his dad is from South Africa and his mother is from uh, rural West Virginia. So he's already kind of caught between these two worlds, uh, just ethnically even. Uh, and then the story kind of picks up when Jack discovers a key uh, that sort of unlocks this, this magic portal to, uh, to 12 different wor worlds. And, uh, and so the story is kind of him discovering where he truly belongs as he's kind of caught in between these worlds. Gotcha. Okay, excellent. So one of the themes in your book that I wanted you to talk about, either one of you, that I think is just awesome is this idea of mentoring. I know that Jack's got a librarian sort of mentor friend. Can you talk about that and maybe some of the, you know, the concepts that you're trying to communicate to young readers? I mean, my side of that is very much on the sort of story math like equation. So kind of back to what dad was talking about, about trying to just craft the best story possible, you know, that that has a, a, a storytelling function, I sure. think, in the book. It's there's I think in a lot of stories, a sort of a place for a surrogate father figure. Uh, and so Jack is is a, is a fatherless child, you know, and he uh, he's kind of longing to have this this mentor, like you said, you know, and so this, this character, Mr. Wheeler kind of fills that role and, and guides him as, as a wizard does uh, throughout the story. And so, so many stories that we love and resonate with us because, I, because a lot of stories are about fatherhood. And I think that's sure. partly because we have this sort of deep longing um, for fatherhood. And there's so many of the problems in the world, which is kind of mm. ironic. 
considering our situation, but like they, they are, are about fathers and sons. And, and there's a such, some, so there's a lot of father hunger. There's a deep, there's a deep hunger. Sure. For and so, so that's a lot of, you know, some of the stories we love, like um, uh, the Karate Kid is, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a big influential story for us, which is yeah. a really wonderful story, but it's a, it's about a, about a fatherless boy finding a father. And there's so many stories that are like that. And I think that's, that, that, um, comports with reality in a deep way and so, mm. so that mentorship is really central it's really central to the green ember it's actually kind of what the green ember is about in one yeah. sense it's about a, the, our, our, our main character picket sort of being in conflict over which which mentor which father to find to 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 follow yeah and he can follow sort of a, there's there's different options there and and it's that's what it's a lot about and so this one is too and i think that's it's a, i think that's at the core of a lot of stories because i think it's at the core of a lot of our experience we're all longing for that i know i know certainly as men we long for that and i think that women do too and need older women you know apostle paul talks about that and i think we all need that we you know there's a reason why the church is described as a family and that, um, elders are and you know fathers we have that brothers and sisters it's, it's a very familial terms because that's sort of the, the you know the root of um our experience in the real world so i think this story really re definitely reflects that yeah that makes a lot of sense that's so cool okay so i would love to hear just sort of peek behind the curtain like what is it like to work together and and how does that even work does you know, somebody do a rough draft, you know, or do you do different parts of the story and put it together like two authors? How does that work? We just fight. We, we just fight and duke it out. <laughs> whoever whoever <laughs> arm wrestles the best. I could see somebody saying, wait, you had him doing this. I had him doing that. You know, <laughs> we've had a couple of those discussions. Thankfully, not not a whole lot. Typically, the our relationship with this story has been mostly the story side is uh, is from me. So I I'll kind of give Dad a basic plot outline and sort of character descriptions and things like that, and then let him just run with the story, and and then Dad will execute the actual like writing, you know, pen to paper kind of stuff. But 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 it's all it's all back and forth. It's back and forth, and he he ends up doing a lot more. You know, he ends up doing a lot more writing than I did. But I'd say the the um the finished product is probably refined mostly by me because um, I think that's my I'm stronger in that area. But his 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 story skills are incredible, and he's put in so much probably a lot more time. Um, on this story than I have and developed it. So it was awesome for me. Like it was because I've had, I've had a lot of experience doing this on my own and uh, it's, you know, you can have sort of co-writing things that are like, Oh, this would just have been easier if I just did it myself. And that's not very hard to imagine, but man, with him, it's just like, it just feels like you're going into a fight and like you're a bunch of guys over there and you're like, okay, how am I going to, and then like a really tough dude just comes up beside him and is like, I've got your back. Like that's how this felt to me. That's cool. He's got so much. Um, and honestly, he's helped me a lot with, with even my green ember books. Like uh, he, we, we've spent a lot of time over the last few years, especially um, talking through some of the story problems and opportunities that we have. And he's got a really good sense for that really good instincts and uh, he's an mm. excellent storyteller. So it's really, uh, we had a fun, we had a good time doing mm -hmm. it. Like we didn't, yeah. I was worried that we, you know, there'd be a lot of, you know, an opportunity for comp. We didn't have a huge amount of conflict in our lives mm. before, you know, normal dad, dad and son stuff. But, but I was kind of concerned like, Oh, is this the thing that's going to like drive us apart? And it's, I feel like it's been the opposite. We've wow. really yeah. fun 
really we, fun experience. We have the same vision for the story. We both want what's best for the story. So anytime we conflict, I think it's for the, for the good of the story, you know? Yeah. yeah. Man, that's great. Yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, you kind of you kind of already touched on it, Sam. But just what's it like to have your son step up and I don't know, just see him flourish in this way? Like, what a cool moment as a dad. I, I don't. That's not a question. I guess that's just sort of a prompt. No, I, I I'm with you. It's it's fun because it, it's cool. I, you know, writing the Green Amber stuff. Like, there there's lots of different satisfactions with it. Like, there's the sort of like, oh, I feel like I wrote something that was. I kind of said what I wanted to say. And then there's like the response from the audience, like, oh, they, sure, they yeah. love it and it served them. So that, that there's different satisfactions. And and I, you know, I, I hope that to experience that with Jack Zulu too on the audience side, we're starting to, to some degree now, but like the, on the creation side, it's just so, it was, it's so satisfying. Cause it's like, uh, I feel like I've got this sort of ringer uh, um, uh, co-author with me. That's really good and so that's fun like that's just fun on itself and it's like oh it's my son too and i'm really proud of him and i'm proud of him for what he did in this in in creating this co-creating this this book but i'm also like just proud of who he is like because some of those character things because that whole like even what he just alluded to sort of like the best idea wins those I, those ideas that are so central to collaboration you know it, because it was his idea originally he could have like a real sort of possessive like no, you can't change this. What do you, but he, he didn't have that. He has, he has a very professional, like much more professional than I had is when I was starting my career approach to like, let's let the, you know, okay. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, and we, and, and like, and if I come to him and say, I think this is kind of weak, it's like, yeah, okay. He's immediately like, how do we solve the problem? It's not like pride is wounded. And you, so I, the, the, honestly, the, the humility on display and the kind of man he has, shown himself to be i think throughout this project has been my the most satisfying thing to me because before my vocation as a storyteller or or, or you know a professional career like i'm a, i'm a father and that's my the first sort of province of my stewardship um, which involves you know providing for the family which is my work so it's very tangled but 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 as a dad you know i feel like that's a uh, that's been the most satisfying thing and not just what he's created or co-created it's like what what um the kind of man he's becoming which excites me because this isn't it jackson is the beginning it's not the end it's like oh we accomplished this cool thing that's true but i'm excited about what he's going to do in in the rest of the series but also the rest of his life and career not just in the arts but just as someone following jesus because uh, that's the most important thing, you know, that but by far is who he and I are becoming as characters in the story that God is telling in the world, much more important than, than uh, what we put on paper. Wow, man, that's amazing. So profound. I love that. I, um, you're bringing to memory a moment about, uh, it was probably three or four years ago. My son is 13 now and he had some creative writing assignment and it was, I mean, he just, he just goes nuts. That That's where, he just, he loves writing. He's really good at it. And um, I was reading this story from like a nine-year-old, 10-year-old kid. And I put it down and I was, I, I, I couldn't speak. I was like, I, I couldn't have done one-tenth of that at his age, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm reading this and I'm like, this is, I mean, this is such a gift from the Lord. It's so obvious in it. Josiah, you have that obviously. And I, I can tell how proud your dad is. And that's just an amazing Amazing, beautiful thing. Okay, so you talked a little bit about family and the father-son relationship. I would love to just know about the Smith family. What do you guys do? What makes you tick? 
what kind of, you know, you mentioned about being intentional. We love that. We're all about, I almost called this whole podcast intentional families. We ended up going with strategic families, but I would just love to know the things that you guys do to sort of solidify your family unit, be on mission for the Lord. What does that look like? Just watch TV all the time. Yeah, yeah a lot of TV. We sometimes, we'll sometimes mix it up, play a little video game. Yeah. We try to, no, we, yeah. We, I mean, Gene and I had some pretty, you know, it's like anything when we, you're starting out and you just, you think we had a lot of fire. I'm a big idea guy. I think you and I are probably a lot of like, you know, I care about um, sure. thinking through things and and I'm a real like vision person and sort of big vision for, for what we do in our family. And of course, you know, the, the, um, the reality comes crashing down, <laughs> the humbling uh, reality comes and gets you like, Oh, I, maybe I didn't know as much, but I think we always were trying. We're always yeah. like trying to, to, to go for things where we were, um, you know, when I coach soccer, uh, I always tell the kids like, if you're, you know, mistakes are fine. But let's make mistakes of action instead of inaction. You know, let's go commit a foul. A foul is fine. I love a foul. Foul is great. Missing a goal—that's that's awesome. Like I'll go crazy if you miss a goal. That's like the greatest thing in the world. But but um, but like not going into the tackle, standing yeah. back, holding off. You know what? The mistakes of inaction are or inexcusable <laughs> inexcusable you're, you're yeah. a six-year-old yeah. uh, but, uh, but so so i think we've made a lot of mistakes but we've made i feel like mostly we made mistakes of action and i don't I, I regret more inaction than i do i regret more being paralyzed by fear than i do by uh, making a mistake of uh, sincerely um trying to do something before the Lord. so we've done a lot of those but i think i mean just been intentional we've been we've, we're, we're bible people we're, we're we the, the heart of our home is de devotion to Jesus Christ. And that's what our life is about. And, and our life is about um, anticipating the kingdom of God coming and living in light of those values now and living in light of who that is. And so Jesus is king. And so we're not waiting um, for, for that uh, to, for, for us to like start obeying him at some point, or maybe that'll, his kingdom is coming, <laughs> but he is king now and his kingdom. So there, there's a, we, that's the, that's the, that's the beating heart of our family. I hope that's our, certainly our aim. So being faithful at church, being faithful and involved and um, in worship. And we've at different times, we've been more or less successful at doing sort of like family uh, devotional practices. And we've, you know, kind of like every family we've not been, we've not always hit a home run there, but sometimes we've, sometimes we've had some stand up doubles Honestly, in, in, yeah. in, in a different <laughs> I love the analogy. A, a sports metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think our sort of our Gina and I, our family, um, sort of our practices related to kids. I think our biggest, the thing that sticks in my mind, is that I think we've been big about big big discipline. Well, let me go back a little bit and just say that as where I'm a vision person, Gina is a very much an execution person. She loves to execute people. Yeah. So we've we, that, <laughs> we, yeah, the gay team is strong. We don't we we, we skipped spanking and went straight to the capital. We just have a lot more. <laughs> yeah. oh um, but no, she but she is like a she's a doer. Like she's a like a, okay, what's the plan? Let's go. You know, and so yeah. she's a very yeah. she works. She's not she's not afraid to work hard. And so that's been good. She, and she, because she's homeschooling, there's a, she's shaped a lot of our family, like intentionality of our family. Yeah. But I think an underlying philosophy has been like a big love, big discipline. And that's um, that they that they go together, sort of like that we that the that accountability of the discipline of the boundaries is going to be there. Like you're going, like you you are loved enough to have a fence. Like you are loved yes. enough 
So you cannot run into the there. You, there are consequences. The consequences for for me is not punishment, as in like you are morally evil, therefore you will be punished, and that will set the scales right. But a more of a we're on this road, walking this road together, and yo, you're going off into this, and and actually we need to correct, so we need to come back. So it's it's correction, it's discipline, it's from it's from an insider. It's not a it's not a judicial sort of a thing for us. It's a family terms. And so thinking of correction, but, but not, you know, a lot of people talk about like, um, I'm a graceful parent or whatever. And sometimes it means like, I'm not parenting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm not, a, we're not libertarians when it comes to, uh, p- to parenting, you know, we're, we, there, there is, there is a mom and a dad and there, there is authority and there is accountability. And, uh, you know, GK Chesterton talks about, um, orthodoxy as being a, a, a it's a, it's a fence. It's a fence, but it's a fence around a playground. And that, that's how I think about Christianity. You know, Christianity is this, uh, it's this garden of yes. I mean, it's, it's a garden of yes and a tree of no. It's not a garden of no and a tree of yes. Mm. So, so it's a, it's a lot of yeses. And that yes is, is, is the, is the big love part. It's a, there, that there has to be a lot of love. I mean, if you come in our home, we, we do a lot of things wrong for sure. But there's a lot. There is a lot of love. There's a, there's affection. There's physical affection. You're going to get a hug. All the you're going to get hugged by your dad definitely multiple times a day. There's hugs, 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 and and and, and I love it. And I love I partly probably because I need it. I need it because it's you know that's who we are. But but you're going to be loved, and you're going to know where you that you belong. You're you're not going to wonder how my dad feels about it, how's my mom feel. About it. You're going to know. But you're also going to, there's going to be the boundary. You're going to have, there will be consequences. There will be correction. There will be, but that will be hopefully, hopefully when we're doing it right with with the big context of love. So I don't know, I'm not a parenting expert and the more, the longer we've gone, the less of an expert I feel. That's not because our kids are terrible or anything. It's just like, wow, life is just like, like, it has a way of humbling you for sure. Um, And I used to know a lot more, you know, that whole old cliches. I used to be much more of a parenting expert when we had younger kids. Yeah. but but it's still I, the whole thing's been pretty cool to me. I love I love yeah. I love being a dad of sons. I love being a dad of daughters, and I and and so it's been awesome. And I'm I'm not super looking forward to it being like you know over that next phase. We'll, we'll show up to whatever God gives us in whatever phase of life. But I'm I'm like oh I want oh, the kids. Yeah. I want them at home. And uh, but I more than that want them to 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 say yes to the story that Jesus is writing in their lives. Yeah. Um, that's a little bit of a picture into sort of our family life. I don't. I hope that's accurate. I hope that's fair. Um, but there's we've we've needed our our oldest daughter's named Aletha Ann Smith, and and her name is Aletha is from the Greek word for Aletheia for truth, and uh, Ann is sort of a derivative of Hannah, which means full of grace. So her name is full of grace and truth, and that's been our family like goal that's who we want that was aspirational yeah. so we've always been trying to do that people who really love truth who care about truth and hold it really tightly but also are defined by grace like the lord yes. jesus you know the law came from Moses, so grace and truth yes. came through jesus yes so that's been like a very central sort of idea for us not not that we've always hit it but that we've <laughs> that that's been our aim um and i, I think with uh, the lord's been very 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 kind to us um, and so far, so we, so every everything we've received has been as a result of the incredible truths of His grace. Mm, that's beautiful. You, you reminded me of a quote I heard. I can't remember who it was, but he said, "Before I had kids, I had six theories on how to raise kids, and then I had yeah. six kids, 
and zero theories on how to raise kids. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard the one about that? My dad used to do the one that was like the pastor who first starts off at the church, you know, in his early career, he just gets married and he's got like uh, 99 foolproof uh, plans to say, you know, to have a perfect family. And yeah. He has a couple of kids and, and, and he's like 25 laws of, uh, of uh, <laughs> and eventually, you know, after years, it's like two helpful suggestions. For, uh, <laughs> that's great. I haven't heard that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, no, that's a, wow. I want to come over to the Smith family. I, we might just show up at your door one day and, and see if what's for dinner. No. <laughs> come, on, come on over. Come on over. I'll be like one of the kids. You'll be, you'll have big, you'll get a hug, but then you'll be immediately correct. Hey, I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. Yeah. We're cut from the same cloth. Well, Josiah, let me pose that to you. What's it like to be in the Smith family? What, you know, your dad just talked about some amazing stuff. Tell me what it's like growing up in the, in the household. What's the reality? Here? <laughs> <laughs> no, just corroborate everything he said. It's a solid six out of ten, I would say. <laughs> I'm kidding. I recommend with caveats. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. I've I've enjoyed growing up a lot. That sounds kind of dumb to say, but it's it's true. I, I like our family culture of humor a lot. Like we're all kind of goofy and we enjoy I think that can be a vice just as much as it's a virtue for us, for our family. Uh but but I, we all are kind of on the same page as far as humor goes. So there's a lot of, and, and this happens with every family, but there's a lot of like little inside jokes and bits that'll develop over time. And I, I, it's just, it's a fun place to be. I enjoy it. Yeah. That's awesome. It sounds like you guys have an amazing thing going all built on the Lord, which is, um, which is so awesome. So I'd love to know, Sam, as you and Gina think about your parenting, what are some scriptures that you're like, man, that like that's foundational for our mm-hmm. family or for our parenting? We just try to base it on the whole Bible. You know, I don't, I don't, I think about that. I, I, I mean, it's funny with young people, you know, I think about the Proverbs. I, I'm a, we're, I've always been a big like wisdom literature kind of person. Ecclesiastes is my favorite yeah. book of the Bible. I think there's so much value in life there. So there's portions of Ecclesiastes chapter 11 towards the end when he's talking about light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun however many years a man may live let him enjoy them all but mm. remember that the days of darkness will be many you know banish anxiety from from your heart for youth and vigor are meaningless or youth in the dawn of life are meaningless or fleeting they're fleeting remember your creator when you're young like those kinds of things that's powerful to me <clears throat> i don't know if we have a particular like passage uh, there's one that i think about i'm trying to memorize recently but um i'm going to read it in case uh fail but in james he says know this my beloved brothers let every person be quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of god therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls Mm. so that's the one i've been thinking about recently a lot and it feels i don't know if that's like oh that's what we anchored our whole life on i think if we're talking about anchoring our whole life it would be that passage about um, the law coming through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, yeah. and the glory of the Gospels. Yeah. Um, and and uh, but but uh, that uh, figuring out how to walk in love, walk in Jesus' way of love. I think think about our life together as walking a path. And that feels like the vision from from Deuteronomy, where, where you know while you're walking along the way, like this, like in the routine of your life. Sure. Um, uh, as you are going, um, and 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 that that's that that's sort of our our goal is not necessarily to um, 
uh, we are, we're, 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 I'm a father and he's, he's a son. Um, but we're also brothers like in the long term kind of a thing. So that we're, yeah. our, our goal is not to remain exactly as we are forever, that, that there's this transition coming where we're all sort of in relationship with Jesus Christ. And that, so that I'm, I'm not a, that's, it goes back to that sort of like, am I an authority that, that yes, yes. But I'm also like, I'm not the main authority. I'm also not, I'm a provider. Yes. Am I the provider? No, I'm not. Yeah. Am I a shepherd? Yes. Am I sort of a spiritual mentor? Yes. Am I the, so everything yeah, about, yeah. this is what I love. Like, that's so important to, for me, for, for us, like that, why church is so important because I know a lot of families who are very intentional, almost become little replacements for the body of Christ. And like, they become their own little uh, church, their own little denomination almost. And I, I feel like in our family, I want very much to, for, for our kids to be connected to Jesus Christ as the chief shepherd. Uh, and so and I want them to actually know that there are, there are probably some different ways that that, that it gets, gets expressed. And, and I'm a missionary kid, so I've seen that, what it looks like in Africa. It's a little different than rural West Virginia. And, uh, and so for them to be connected to Jesus, that he's their shepherd, that he's their provider. Yeah. So, and, and if they need to disagree with me at some point in life and follow Jesus, then they should. Yeah. Uh, right. I'm not the arbiter of what that is. And, and actually they have other authorities in their life. Their, their pastor has this unique role that's different than my role. And so, um, you know, we, we, we can almost, we can get a little um, idol worshipy about the family, I think, um, because it's a, such a good thing that we right. kind of turn it into an, an ultimate thing. Mm. And, and it's, it's part of it's, but I think it fits in. It's got, it couldn't have more value because it's invented by God and it's created by God, but it fits into this whole culture and ecosystem that he created. That's about yes. him. So I want our kids to be like tapped into that, which is more than just like, Hey, here's the weird way that we believe about everything, <laughs> which we've got that. We've got that for sure. sure but like, yeah. here's, here's the stream. Here's the life. You know, we've got this bucket over here. That's got water. It's water. We can drink it. Washing. It's great. Yeah. But come on to the stream, man. Cause that's where it is. Yeah. I love it. I I've got this vision of like, a tributary to a greater river like yes. our families may our may our families be tributaries of life into the great river of life in jesus christ mm-hmm. you know uh, i love it that's so beautifully put as we close i'm sure there are going to be people who think like man where can i get these books i want to check out green ember and jack zulu where can they buy these books and then how can they best follow you guys so you can order the Green Number and Jack Zulu at sdsmith.com slash store. Yeah. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Yes. Got it right for once. <laughs> Great. How about like social media and that kind of thing? Is Are there places that are best to follow you guys there? Yeah. You can connect with us both on Instagram and I believe you're on Facebook and Twitter, I guess. Yeah. I'm on Facebook. You can find it all at sdsmith.com or jackzulu.com. I think that's got your stuff in there. Yeah. Or it should pretty soon. And josiahcsmith.com too. Josiahcsmith. Oh, josiahcsmith.com. All right. Great. Well, guys, this has been a real treat. Thank you so much for your time. I encourage everybody, you know, everybody listening, you know, we talk about being strategic families. I I see your books as a hugely strategic thing to do because, you know, the storytelling is amazing, but all the the concepts that you guys are getting into and ways that we can um, just encourage our kids to be the uh, young men and young women that God has called them to be. It's an awesome, awesome ministry and you do it with excellence. So, Thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you, Graham. It has been so cool being with you today. A super encouraging time. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. 
Sam, Josiah, thank you guys so much. So cool that you get to work together and that you're using the gift of storytelling to honor the Lord. May the Lord continue to work through you and bring hope and encouragement and joy to millions. It was awesome to get to spend time with you guys, and thank you for sharing your wisdom with all of us. All right, so my song recommendation this week is from a group you may or may not have heard of, a husband-wife combo called The Grey Havens. They have a song that is just so cool. It's called If the Walls Move. Some of it is in a 7-8 time signature and uh, seems to use major sevenths, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, getting a little dorky with the music theory there, but uh, both of those things give the song some street cred in my mind, and it's a beautiful song. So check it out, and of course, play it loudly for your kids. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.